Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker, picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. Hello! Welcome to the Turning of the Bones podcast. I am your host, Colby Marie. I am so, so excited to be here today to have a little chat with you, to sit down and have a little talk. Just, just shoot the breeze, which I think is a hilarious idiom. Like, I always imagine a bunch of, you know, traumatized Western kind of just out of their mind, cow people, uh, settlers, colonizers moving west and just like not having enough water, being afraid all the time and sitting around with their guns shooting the air because they were so terrified of everything around them and Yeah, shooting the breeze. You know, now that I'm saying that, <laughs> that that that's the the cynical punk uh, punk image I got when I thought about that idiom in college, and I've kind of been working on it since. But it really, it probably my guess saying it now is that it goes back like my body, my lungs are are shooting the breeze of my breath and the words out of my mouth. And so thank you for being there. And I promise I'm gonna to try to be gentle and use this this vehicle for, for the breeze of my breath and the weight of my words carefully. <laughs> I'm gonna to try to choose carefully how to craft these sentences so we don't have to have too many more images of dysregulated American settlers sitting around hallucinating from dehydration shooting their guns in the air and thinking that's where the idiom came from but I digress welcome you just delightful Dales you effulgent errands you amazing Allens you quixotic Quintons. Ooh, that was a tough one. Welcome to the Turning of the Bones podcast. I'm really excited to do this podcast today. I had the lovely experience of getting to take a little vacation, uh, a little baby step COVID vacation. I went down and saw... Uh, some friends and family in Santa Fe 
I went camping with my partner and I got to go to this really magical area called the Vallejo Caldera. And for those of you who don't know, a caldera is a large depression in a mountain range. Well, it doesn't need to be in a mountain range. It's a large depression where uh, a magma chamber, you know, million years ago, collapsed and uh, then cooled. So it was this kind of mountainous, volcanic. Uh, you could see in the cliffs, like there was a layer of ashy rock and I've always been really into geology ever since I found out that the earth is constantly moving and we live on a thin layer of crust that's floating over liquid hot magma <laughs> um, I've always just been really fascinated so I got to go down there and explore a new part of the west here in America which is always really exciting to me. It's really expansive and beautiful land and really grateful for the opportunity to travel out here and reverence and respect to the indigenous people whose stolen land I got to travel on. Uh, the Ute, the Pueblo, the Arapaho. And so I was a visitor down in lands that aren't the lands of my ancestors and it was really magical. Uh, I feel really grateful to go to go places and spend time outdoors. And this this caldera was just absolutely gorgeous. Didn't end up staying there. We drove around it to get where we were going and wound up with a, a really remote campsite away from the weekend traffic away from the people in the RVs and on the four-wheelers and dirt bikes uh, really beautiful cliffs and valleys heard a slew of coyotes in the night just a lot of them uh, saw a snake saw four-foot bull snake in the middle of the day sunning itself right by our campsite it was the middle of a huge caterpillar hatch these uh, caterpillar make their nest in the aspen, aspen trees and then hatch and fall down and then eat all of the aspen leaves basically decimate the leaves on the aspens and then the aspens being resilient and huge communities sprout another round of leaves and they make it back sans caterpillar which was really it was just nice it was nice to get out of the city the weather was perfect it wasn't too hot and we got to hike into some hidden hot springs that you had to hike quite a ways but I, I made some friends with some locals and they gave me some intel that cut the hike in about was, we did about a tenth of the hike we would have had to which was awesome we got there and there was like 10 pools on this hillside with magical flowers and cliff and just warm hot spring water with the minerals and there were only like 10 people there uh, just got to have a nice soak while my dog ran around uh, so yeah just back from that 
feeling really good, nice little COVID vacation. And in the second half of the vacation, I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So the Vallejo Caldera is right outside of Santa Fe, uh, outside of Los Alamos, New Mexico, which was an absolute mind-boggling trip to drive through. You know, that's where they have like the particle accelerators and are doing just some intense quantum physics and physics discoveries are happening there. Uh, we had to agree to take no pictures as we drove through parts of Los Alamos and stopped at guard shacks with military vehicles. Uh, so it was, it, was kind of, it was a surreal experience on a lot of levels. And right down the road from there were a lot of cliff dwellings that uh, the original Americans lived in. It's now a national park. And so it just it was one of those places, I think, I've heard them referred to as thin places, where you're a little closer to the other realms. You're a little closer to the magic. You're a little closer to the spirits. You're a little closer to the deities. Uh, you're a little closer to the gods and the goddesses there. And it was really nice. I came back from that feeling really recharged, just sitting around watching trees, going for walks. And then I, I was lucky enough to go to Santa Fe to work for the rest of the week. And then I, I went to an artist talk. Um, and the artist is somebody I, I recently found out about. She is... I would say in her 60s, maybe, but timelessly young. Just one of those people you meet and you're like, you haven't ever not, you just didn't lose something that a lot of people lose in this country. And she's really intriguing. Her art is really intriguing. Her name is Chris Roberts Anto, or Antu. And she has a gallery in Santa Fe, New Orleans, and she has invented some styles of stitch art that have kind of propelled her into the fine art world and kind of taken fabric and stitching, you know, into the fine into the world of fine arts. And her stuff is I <laughs> just the first time I saw it, I was like, holy cow, this is this is amazing. It's whimsical and serene and contemplative and playful and spacious and curious there's like a curiosity inside of her art um, and so I got to go to this artist talk uh, at, at her gallery in Santa Fe when I was down there and it was the first indoor primarily maskless event I've been to since the CDC lifted their restrictions like the doors were open and there were only 20 or 30 people in there but it still had a bit of cognitive dissonance getting my head around a return to social gatherings with strangers but I settled down I had some more d'oeuvres I had a glass of water and when I was there my partner handed me this piece of what looks like lined yellow paper. And I I, I didn't know much about uh, Chris Roberts and Toe's work uh, 
I'd read a little bit in a book that my partner's uh, mother had, uh, this book that Chris Roberts Into's son wrote, which is really like a beautiful reflection about her work. I think her son manages galleries and is active in the art world, and you could tell it had a level of uh, intimacy and professionalism and reflection that I think that somebody who's been in and out of the art world and I was just fascinated by her, just a self-taught uh, art school dropout, you know, someone who didn't go get the training, who just believed in something. And so I knew this about uh, her work, and I wanted to go to this talk, and so my partner handed me this piece of paper, and I, I was like, oh, this isn't, I thought it was just a piece of paper with writing on it, and then I looked, it's like a nice nice paper board um, and it's it's a it's a photocopy from a real piece of paper and it has a couple doodles on the back and on the front in uh, kind of a mixed cursive uh, mixed cursive writing style really playful was the uh, her artist statement and it's on her website I think it's Chris Roberts Anto if you just Google that and Google her, you'll you'll go to her website and it's it's there on her website. And as an artist, I've always struggled with artist statements. You know, if uh, I find this with a lot of my writing, I've been trained to write in certain ways, and so I kind of learned a lot of styles, and sometimes that limits my expression. And it's really fucking frustrating when that happens. Like when I'm trying to write my stuff and like another style creeps in. I was trying to do a blog about this experience at the gallery. And I noticed like two paragraphs in it sounded like I was writing an art review for a newspaper. And I haven't written like that since high school when I wrote for the newspaper. I'm sure that I used aspects of that in college for some of my papers being a literature major but I just I was like holy shit this is not this isn't my voice writing about her and so I did a number of free writes to try to like tap back in find my voice my expression about this experience and I hope that all that work got me ready for this conversation today because I had a really mind-blowing, eye-opening. I don't want to hyperbolize this too much. I had a really grounding and a mind-blowing experience at the same time at this, which to me is like the sweet spot. If someone can blow my mind and make me feel grounded, whew, that's amazing if you can do that as an artist or a musician. Um, but so th there I am holding this piece of paper, and I look down and I start reading, and it's kind of print and mixed cursive, it's got some really fun font shifts and you know, random capitalization, and it, it it feels it feels youthful. I used to teach high school, and this feels like something that uh, one of my students would have written. And I promise I'm going to tie this together. <laughs> so I'm going to read her artist statement. If there is one thing I could hope to say to all of you, it's to never give up on your dream. I was a C and D student in school 
I had to repeat the ninth grade. I was not recommended for college. I didn't go. And I never went to art school. Basically, I never learned what not to do. See, like I was talking about with my writing. I learned what not to do. <laughs> and for this, I am eternally grateful. I just had a voice inside that I listened to. I really trusted that voice, and I still do. Please learn to listen to yours. I guarantee it will take you where you need to go. Don't be afraid. Fear is bad. My work is about joy. It is about the mysterious origin of joy and the wonder of childhood. I try to hang on to that wonder with every ounce of my being. My art is really a byproduct of my life and what I believe about being alive. I seem to be cursed with a constant vision of the big picture, the part of life which constantly brings forth the same truths, that we are all blessed with the ability to recognize and create joy, that life is about that creation. Thank you, heart. Chris Roberts into. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, I get the chill. I'm getting the chills just sitting here, reading it into the microphone and reading it for all of you because this is like I feel like it's a letter I wrote to myself, and then I just found it again, and I I I love. I love it so much, and so. I'm sitting there, so there I am in the gallery, and I read this, and I, I kind of get the chills, and then uh, she starts speaking. She's being interviewed by her son, who's flown in to interview her, and it's this beautifully intimate and playful conversation, and it, it was so nice to see someone who lived a successful life, and by successful I don't mean, no, I do mean, made a living, was safe and secure off of the thing that she wanted to do, and that she didn't let anybody tell her that it wasn't a viable option. Um, she kept listening to that voice and while I was listening to her it was like I felt part of myself being inspired and I felt also reassured that the work that I've been doing psychologically and meditating is trying to find that voice again and I think so many of us are doing that in this country and if you're listening to this podcast you probably know exactly what I mean is that with my example of getting ready to write a blog post about this, there were so many ways that like I learned how to do it right, quote unquote, to like get a grade or to do well in college. But I love that she says in her artist statement, I never learned what not to do. Like her expression was never boxed in through training, right? Like there's skill and technique in what she does. There's color theory. There's 
I'm sure lots of intuition, there's repetition and practice, right? It's like fine stitch art. Like it looks like a fine art painting, but done with sewing machines and with thread and colored thread and fabric. You know, this isn't, it's evident that there was work and discipline put in to create these pieces, but it also maintained that whimsy. Um, and I want to find that voice again. And I'm sure a lot of you do too. Um, I mentioned before, Carl uh, Jung, the famous psychologist, spent an hour every day playing in the dirt because he thought it was important to tap back into that part of himself to keep that, that child, that limitless child creativity, that access to the mystery of origin and joy to keep that nearby Carl Jung you know who brilliant psychotherapist created a lot of modalities for how we understand the brain and human psyche in a modern context there were tons of indigenous and other cultures that had other frameworks um, but as far as European and Western uh, but he he pointed to that too and I think when I was listening to Chris talk, it was so apparent that she believed and had evidence that listening to that took her where she needed to be. And not in some kind of new age mystical, like, oh, if you just listen to your voice, like, no, she's like, it takes work. Like, I listened to that voice and I worked, you know? I remember, I think so many people at least, no. I have misunderstood that to be like, you know, that's going to take me to a place of like, I'll just always be immersed in the creative world and I'll never have to put up with the minutia of society. And there were a couple times where Chris was like, you know, like, I wanted to make money. I hate being broke. This A point of this was always to make money, but to do it by listening to that voice and it was it was so refreshing to hear somebody who was older than me who was also a C and D and potentially F student who wasn't recommended for college um, and who never went to art school who had carved out a way to do it um, who wasn't following a template and whose sketches have the joy and wonder of the art I would see my high school students trying before they heard it wasn't good. You know, their doodles before they had to do an art project. Um, and it, it just, it was, it was so nourishing to listen to an artist talk about a creator talk about the steps that she goes through to stay in that process to keep access to I don't know we could call it the creative wind that blows through us sometimes because she definitely she's like I can't take ownership over this and it's like Bob Dylan said about, I think it was Blood on the Tracks, that album, that he 
you know, he had songs where he's like, I just, I listened and that that's not my song. I just was like available and I've heard poets talk about it. There's this really beautiful story uh, I heard about an older poet who was like, yeah, I'll be out in the field working in the garden and I'll hear a poem blow by and I race home to try to catch it. And sometimes I just get its coattails and sometimes I meet it at the door and sometimes it's gone. And I think that for me as a creator, I completely know what she's talking about and what they're alluding to. It's like creating the circumstances where I can get into the flow state, where I'm a vehicle for the creative expression, whether it's this podcast or a, a piece of writing or a piece of visual art, where I can get in the space to make sure that's happening and it's a full-time job um, and it takes discipline it takes focus and resolve and an unwavering desire to to never lose that voice um, I think it's so easy I think that our families are worried about us being okay and they only have the systems they understand like capitalism and so they're like, if you don't get a job, you won't have retirement, you won't have health care, and you won't have all these mechanisms of control, you know, all these fear tactics to get us to be good little producers and good little buyers. And I think that we lose that voice. I, I, I saw this voice stomped out of people. Not intentionally. It wasn't like we had teacher meetings. Like, how do we get the children to get in line and believe what we believe, to buy into the systems of oppression that exist everywhere so that we can continue to live in our daydream fantasy of abundance and of health and happiness when actually we're all scared little consumers who don't know what to do? <laughs> It wasn't like teachers were having this medieval conversation or politicians. It's just we have these strictures. Is strictures the right word? I'm going to say structures because I can't remember what strictures mean. I think that they're limiting. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say strictures, whatever. We have these strictures. I like the word in general because it's like it sounds like it's strict. It's like if you took strict and structure and slammed them together and made a word, it'd be like strictures. So we make these strictures inside of our brains and society, it's like the panopticon. It's like the, the prison that only has one guard because all the prisoners think that the guard can see them from where they are and then eventually you don't even have to staff the guard tower because all the, the prisoners are self monitoring you know and I think that's how this voice gets stomped out and the one that I'm looking for you know I I spend most of my time I, I've spent most of my life trying to find that voice again 
asking myself questions like was it this is it that and since this talk i've been all over it's been like a full-time job of like what am i supposed to be doing like what's my expression you know and i'm opening up all doors i'm not limiting myself i'm not like oh i have to be a successful podcaster or youtuber or educator i'm like if you want me to go back to teaching high schools if that's where i'm gonna you know one by one let kids know they're not alone um if you want me to go back to painting houses being a plumber if you want me to work at the supermarket if you want me to go be homeless and live on a bench whatever it is divine mystery let me know and i'll go do it you know i think that i do have you know in some lineages it's called dharma it could be your purpose it could be your destiny and other it could be your fate it could be i can't really think of anything for the atheist sorry guys um it could be the order of rational and logical events that lead to the conclusion and termination of your life <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's always hard for me not to tease the atheists a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm really sorry, guys. I, uh, that, one, that one got me. I forgot where I was going. <laughs> I think that... I'm noticing... And more and more of the conversations I have with people, friends and family members. And I, I, I need to say this. I don't live in a complete echo chamber. I have, this is one thing I'm really proud of, is I've always really liked people. And I feel like I've learned the languages of lots of different social locations and economic locations. And so I don't think this is me just having reflected back what I think I think this is something I'm noticing that like I think everyone's a little sad that we lost that voice you know whether there's somebody I know who's a Republican or Democrat left or right independent anarchist artist uh, gardener parent teacher lover scientist chef cook whatever like I, i've noticed that there's this hunger for that kind of expression in all of us and it was so nice to see someone who was humble and grounded playful and serious curious and disciplined who had made a life doing doing what she wanted to and what that voice told her to and it wasn't like you know it was so interesting and this was a really cool piece that I feel like I need to share she was being interviewed by her son and the intimacy of that connection and conversation like her son had been a child when that decision created financial instability for them and they had a really nice conversation about like, that's not always easy, you know? And I think that's why so many people and society and teachers and parents 
you know, they want what's they they don't know it, but they want to give their kids an easier life than they had. And maybe they just outright say it, but like, I don't think there's any such thing. I think that's a myth. I think a myth of capitalism that we've all bought into is that there is an easier life. Like there may be one where, you know, capitalism may have done a decent job for a time for certain races and socioeconomic locations of creating the circumstances where your basic needs are more likely to get met. Because anybody who's been broke or can't buy food or doesn't have health care and gets hurt, like you, that's like the worst place to be. And it's hard to find happiness or security when you're worrying all the time. Um, but maybe... I think that's a myth. I don't think that you can... There's like the Rumi quote, you know, the parent, and I think society too in this way, is like the archer and the individual is the arrow, you know? Like you can kind of shoot it in a direction, but it's going to go... You need to let go of the arrow at some point. And I think each one of us has something and has a voice, like Chris said here, like that we're supposed to do. And it, it, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be famous artists or gardeners or teachers or farmers or you know it, it can mean anything you know I've experienced I've experienced listening to that voice working construction I've experienced it creating art you know and I hear it at different times in my life it, it seems more clear um And I think it's sad that there's so many of us who, who, who've lost touch with that because we're afraid, which is super understandable. You know, we get told what to be afraid of. We are, you know, part of our fears are nature and part of them are nurture. And I think that for me, in this moment, a part of the journey I'm on is to unlearn the fears that aren't mine. You know, like I'm fine with being afraid of a, a bear running at me. I'm fine with being afraid of, you know, being mutilated or mauled or catching a deadly disease. I'm fine with being afraid of being kicked out of society and having to spend the rest of my life in my own head without another human. I, I'm fine with all, like, all of the basic fears that I think all of us have, you know. I'm fine with being a little afraid of never having a child, you know. That could just be my DNA being like, hey, we want to keep living. Don't you want to keep living? You should have a baby. I'm fine with having some of those just normal fears, but I think the fear, I want to, it would be meaningful for me to undo some of those things that I picked up to, to, to learn where I, I lost my authentic expression, you know, and I don't know if I'm supposed to be a writer or a podcast host or a teacher or a plumber or an astronaut or the president or a traveling Wilbury 
<laughs> but I want to keep exploring what would it like what would it be like to listen to that voice because I know the more that I've done it I keep getting hints and clues that I'm on the right path that it's not easy that it's challenging it's terrifying the price of truth may be everything but it's going to be okay if I just keep kind of teasing out this thread this this feeling that there's a completely mundane and unique expression that is me <laughs> so yeah i think that's what i got from that little artist talking that little trip to santa fe some some contemplations some no answers I don't have any answers. I don't feel any closer. Well, no, that's not true. I feel closer than I did yesterday. Sitting in front of this microphone, I know that I'm I'm in the process of figuring out how to not be broke doing what I love. I'm in the process of unlearning ways that I learned how to do things you know if you want to be a good writer you need to blank 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 uh, well you know Hemingway wrote really simple sentences and told really great stories when Faulkner was writing really long sentences and telling really great stories and if you've ever read I don't know anybody really who's just doing it their own way and finding their own voice, Bell Hooks, Hunter S. Thompson, everyone's got a different style, different approach, Mozart, Brahms. Um, every mechanic I've ever met has got a different approach, but can fix a car. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was really, it was really, really nourishing to go sit in a room with someone who I looked up to and so there's one thing I can say to you moving out of this pandemic world find someone who who helped you get through you know I know Chris Robert Santos art really helped me get through the pandemic just looking at it from time to time uh, reading the book that her son wrote about her looking at her sketches and her drawings and then I was lucky enough, like this was total grace. I didn't plan this. My partner's mom was like, hey, you want to go to this artist talk? And I was like, cool. Um, try to go sit with somebody who you look up to and see how your body feels. See if what they're saying is true. Because um, for me, it, it, it blew open the doors and just like, you know, I, I panic a lot. I'm, I'm not making a ton of money yet doing this you know I've got a couple other side hustles teaching I'm a personal assistant and then I do this podcast and that's pretty much a full work week for me um, and so I have a lot of doubt I'm working with a lot of fear and it was really reassuring 
to go be around someone who did their version of what I think I'm doing. <laughs> and, you know, through the grace of the goddess, I was able to, like, talk with Chris for a minute uh, after the show. Uh, we hugged and laughed about how awkward it feels to hug, you know, both being vaccinated and, you know, I think... I, I don't know if I heard her right, but maybe she said I'm one of her first hugs. And that felt kind of cool, because that's me being me, you know? I, I wasn't thinking a ton. I was like, she went to shake my hand, which didn't feel right. And I was like, hey, do you hug? And she's like, yeah, I'd love a hug. And I was like, cool, because I would too. So that was me listening to that voice. Then we had a nice little connection about how weird it is to hug. Following the pandemic, we talked about Tom Waits a little bit, and how we both like Tom Waits and it was really really cool so I just wish you the best in finding your voice and finding some way to go play like a kid whether it's in the stick in the dirt with sticks and rocks like uh, young or if it's doodling or dancing or splashing in a bathtub and playing with your rubber ducky and blowing bubbles sidewalk chalk <laughs> whatever it is I just wish you luck on your journey, figuring out who you are, what your, you know, your purpose is, your dharma, your, uh, your fate, your, your unique you-ness, because I think we got it. I think we all have something. And, yeah, thanks for tuning in. This is a listener-supported adventure. If you're new to the podcast, uh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this one. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your steady support. It means the world to me. Please recommend this to a friend. Like and subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Follow me on Spotify. And if you're getting something from it, you can go over to Patreon, www.patreon.com slash turningofthebones, uh, and you could leave a monthly donation. Uh, once a month, regular cup of coffee, five bucks, ten bucks, a pint of ice cream, a dinner. Uh, if you'd, you know, if you'd pay someone for, you know, these kinds of chats, help me out, cause uh, I want to be a, I want to be an artist, I want to be a creator, I want to be an educator, I want to keep doing what I do, and uh, I don't want to be broke. <laughs> Like Chris Roberts Antos said, I, ha I hate being broke. Um, I can do it. Don't get me wrong. I can whip up a mean beans and rice with some veggies from the garden, but it's nice to to have access to things and to be able to donate to causes and people support other creators. It's been a long time since I've been able to support other creators, and so www.turningofthebone.com for the website check out my blogs and yeah be well take care of one another take care of yourselves go go be a kid go play 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 play